Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back. We're super black today. As per usual, we're brown ambition. Hey, Mandra and special guest. Hey, hey, <laughs> Tiff. Hello to our special guest today, Dr. Pamela Jolly. I cannot wait to introduce you to y'all, to you guys, to our BA fam. I was actually on a panel with Dr. Jolly a few weeks ago and afterward just wanted to know more. You know how on a panel, everyone gets like seven and a half minutes to speak, Mm -hmm. but Dr. Jolly, seven and a half minutes, I was like, I need more. (laughs) <laughs> let me let me let me make her talk to me some more. So, invited her to the show today, and I cannot wait to tell you about her. So, let me just give you a little bit of a rundown, Dr. Jolly. I'll let you say hello, but let's put some respect on your name and your experience. Dr. Pamela Jolly, y'all, is a wealth strategist, a renowned speaker, and author committed to guiding men, women, business owners, faith leaders, and young professionals toward building legacy their way. She is a I mean, how many degrees? I can't even keep track. She's a graduate of Hampton University, the Wharton School of Business, Boston University School of Theology, and Graduate Theological Foundation. After building a successful career in finance, working for companies like Nations Bank, Accenture, and a private equity firm she helped build called The Boy Partners. In 2004, Dr. Jolly launched Torch Enterprises, which is her strategic investment firm that focuses on women and minority-owned businesses. And in 2015, she launched The Narrow Road, which is a methodology focused on educating anyone wanting to build wealth via ownership and equity. Dr. Pamela Jolly, welcome to Brown Ambition. So tell us about Torch at its heart. What is Torch Enterprises and what do you do as a wealth strategist? Yeah, so great question. So Torch stands for passing the torch from one generation to the next to build legacy wealth via ownership and increased equity. And so I started Torch, hard to believe, 20 years ago based on something that really frustrated me and that relative to the contributions that African-Americans have made to America, we just didn't own enough. We just didn't have enough wealth. And because I have worked my entire career in financial services, I wanted more of us to understand that we're not starting from nothing, that our legacy is very valuable. And so how do we really blend our belief that we will do well with finance, business, and strategy? So I raised capital and awareness for African-Americans and their African-American businesses and their communities. I work with large philanthropic organizations, Uh, national banks, large organizations, as well as small businesses and communities. I love what I do. It's been an amazing journey that really started to shape itself uh, post-Katrina in New Orleans. So I'm indebted to the city of New Orleans. Love, love New Orleans. But I've worked in over 93 cities across the country. So I love our community and I see it as a business. And I look forward to elevating that standard with as many Black people as possible. 
She said, I love us for real. Okay, shout out to Monique. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're here because I know we're really going to like lean in heavily on talking about business and what it looks like to be a successful black business, kind of what are the mistakes that we're making that you see across the board and and what we can do to minimize those mistakes, get access to capital and do what businesses are meant to do, which is grow and pass along wealth. So I'm super jazzed because, you know, Mandy and I are both business owners. Um, so I'm just excited you're here. Awesome. Grateful to be here, both of you. As, and I'm, I'm curious, like, as one of the the things you encounter, I mean, obviously, you work on the ground with black and brown owned businesses um, quite often. And for me, as, as a newbie business owner, I think sometimes I wonder if I'm not thinking big enough with mm. my business. You know, I just want to make it through the first year, make it through the first year. Yay. And of course, having listened to Tiffany and, and had sort of a, a back, back, backseat to watching her build multiple businesses over the past I don't know, near a decade, we've known each other. Mm-hmm. It's been a privilege, but sometimes I'm like, am I allowed to think that big yet? And what do I have to lose by not thinking big early? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Well, first of all, it is big for you to have um, sustained a business for a year. You know, the reality of small businesses and the tenure of them. I did uh, do that. I know, <laughs> clapping for Mandy. I didn't want to put, interrupt and I was like... I need you to take ownership of that, right? Because the first year, you know, it's what I call the idea phase. You know, you got an idea, but business is a series of consistently increasing levels of opportunity, right? So it's increasing relationships, it's increased knowledge gain, um, it's increasing steps that have to be streamlined and organized. And so that first year is really you teaching you like, am I a business owner? I believe the call to entrepreneurship is a call from God because mm-hmm. it's a faith walk in many ways. And in that first year, it definitely is. Um, so I think that, you know, when we think about businesses one to three, you're really figuring it out. And I think importance of t- seeing things big, think about Stephen Covey, where he says, you know, begin with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to focus on your exit as soon as you start. Like, how do you want to exit this business? Do you want it to die with you? 85% of businesses are lifestyle businesses. Or do you want to pass the torch to the next generation? What is this really? You know, some lifestyle businesses are for a specific phase. And in that specific phase of time, you know, then you learn and I want to do something different. Mm. That's the other thing that I would encourage emergent business owners, as I call them, don't feel so locked in that you don't feel like you can do anything else. There's a tremendous amount of opportunities, but you got to steward and manage your capacity. No, that's so really powerful because I, so when I first started my business, I'm, we're, I'm at year 14, I believe. Woo-hoo! I know. And so it's been 14 years. I've made probably just over $30 million in this gross, obviously, because, you know, I got $30 million in my bank account. Um, but, you know, um, but they, I feel like with each iteration, I have gotten clearer on the end in mind. In the beginning, the budgetista was like, can we pay these bills, sis? That was the point. And so I made the, a business where I was the sun, moon, and stars, like many of us do, which is nothing wrong with that. But wh- I realized that like, uh, I, what if I don't want to do Pajanista forever and ever? How do I cre- use what I've created here to build an additional business where I'm not the sun, moon, and stars? And so I created my online school, Literature Academy, where I'm one of many financial educators there, which is great. So it's not heavily tied to my the Budgetista. And the budget needs to is a die with me business. You know, like I I just did my will and in it, it says if something happens to me, 
my sisters are instructed to just sell it and take the proceeds and split it four ways. Because what you going to do? You going to be my Janice's sis, you know? <laughs> and so, but then my second business, I have a business partner, um, where, but I'm majority owner. And um, what that looks like is that it can continue without me. Um, for the most part, where I have almost pulled myself almost out of it, I'm probably like 80% gone. Like, where is that they have a CEO there? That's not me anymore. Um, my face is largely missing, although we still use Budgetista to do some promo stuff. But even that, we are slowly pushing, chipping away. And I would say by the end of next year, you won't see me at all. Um, and that's a business where if something happens to me, you know, my shares go to my sisters as well. Uh, they're not voting shares. You know, my business partner also has the ability to, to buy them out should he decide to do so. Or if he doesn't buy them out, they just continue to, you know, get their peace, you know. Um, but now this third business, now I've started other smaller businesses in, in between then, but this third business that I'm doing now, I'm very clear. Like for the first time, I'm really clear. The end in mind is I'm building it to sell within five years. Like, and I'm so really clear on that. And so can you share with us kind of like, how can, especially when you're first starting out, how can you get clear with the end in mind when you're like, I'm just trying to pay bills? Yeah. Well, get clear about how you're going to pay the bills, mm. right? So marry yourself to your market, marry yourself to your target market, make sure you're building something that you love, make sure you recognize what you do best and what you don't do best, start to elevate your trust levels so that you can hire appropriately, you know, really getting very focused. You know, 71% of hiring decisions in small businesses are mistakes. Those are very costly, not just seven zero. So, yes. So that it's I not just, that. Is it because we not, usually go to our family and friends first? Because First of all, we, we're about 90% over here. Just so. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I believe based on my uh, experience. I think it has largely about the blind spots that we have about what we really need. Yeah. You know, so I really think that people should take some time to write out, you know, what is that job description? And how does it really impact the business? Yeah. The other thing is, you know, looking at, you know, employment of other people, both, yes, it is an expense, but it's also an investment. Mm. You know, it's, it's leadership. And so it's building relationships. So is this just a transactional job where they, if they show up, praise God, if they do what they tell you, praise God, or is it really, you want someone to think with you, you know, build with you, grow with you. So it's really getting very clear about that. But I think in the beginning, you know, when you don't have enough money, when we said we hire our friends and family because it's cheap, I think getting very clear about what you can do by yourself and the capacity in which you can do it. Some folks get so married to such a large vision at the end that they kind of discount what they're able to do in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, what can you actually do with the time that you have? Um, so I think it, it's really important to be very focused and very clear. In my work with The Narrow Road, I created a predictive modeling component. One of my last jobs in corporate America was a market research strategist. So learned how to create different algorithms and typing tools and the importance of segmenting the market. And what I created was a predictive modeling component. So I type people. And once you understand your wealth identity, we're able to get really clear about how do you articulate what you do and what you need in order to successfully build the relationships required for your business to be successful. Where does somebody get a, um, a hold of that? <laughs> <laughs> Asking for a friend well, named Mandy so and Tiffany. Yes. <laughs> um, so my first book was written uh, eight years ago, right after my dad passed away. And a larger publisher, so I published it with my own publishing company, and then a larger publisher, Wordy Publishing, that's run by Marva Allen, who owns Human Bookstore. Mm, she approached me from the pandemic. 
I love her too. She's amazing. And she actually was one of my first clients when I launched Torch in New York. And so was so excited. Well, she took the book and we reorganized it and it's coming out uh, September 12th. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. And so this is the, the second edition of The Narrow Road and inside of it, is the wealth identity typing tool. And then I have a, a wealth finishing school that's launching in November where I really help people own their identity and really build wealth their way so they can build the right relationships with the financial professionals. Because that's what I wanted to say, Tiffany. One, I'm so proud of your trajectory and what you're doing. But even hearing you, you can tell you've spoken to professionals that you trust and you understand. They've given you advice. You've applied that advice. You've gotten their results and you're moving forward. So that's how you do it. You basically start with the solid foundation and you build, grow and expand from there. Okay, BA fam, we will be right back with more of our conversation on legacy building as Black business owners with Dr. Pamela Jolly. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with Afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. And we're back more with Dr. Jolly. I'm curious, at what point, because I know Tiffany and I talked about, you know, Budget Nista, for example, and you haven't taken any funding, Tiffany, throughout your your businesses, right? Of course, I haven't taken any funding. You have the occasional friend who's like, I want to invest. And I'm like, in what? You want to buy me a (laughs) better webcam? I don't know. But Taking on investments and when do you do you work at all with that, you know, that piece of it? When do I identifying when you need outside capital um, and when it can be, you know, beneficial versus actually becoming uh, something that can be cumbersome or like be an issue down the road? Yeah. So in my book, what I talk about is there's four capital relationships. The least intimate relationship with capital is transaction. Right. So literally it's all a lot of hard work. It does have equity in it, but it's sweat equity and you work extremely hard. That next one is a joint venture. And that's when you bring on that friends and family 
who can support you where you're weak. Now, whether they do it financially, my two investors and first two investors in my company were my grandmothers. And when black women that you don't expect to be able to write checks, write you checks, you get cash flow positive and profitable a lot faster than others might try. So I've, I'm so grateful that it was my grandmothers who believed in me that invested. That next level of capital is where growth capital. Now, growth capital can be either debt or equity. And I want people to understand the difference. You know, debt has rules and regulations. The financial services industry is the highest regulated industry in the country. So they can't give you money because they like you. They have to give you money because you fit a certain criteria that's a good risk for them to take to deploy capital for you. Now, there's different types of debt capital that you can get. And during the pandemic, and so many things happened in the pandemic as it relates to minority-owned businesses, people started to realize that many minority-owned businesses did not have a relationship with a financial institution that they trusted or understood. A tremendous amount of capital was deployed to CDFIs who across the country are cash flow lenders. But that means that you got to have positive cash flow. That means that you have to understand what your operating budget is. And what is the deficit in your operating budget? And what would it take for you to build up the working capital level? And so then the next level is equity from my perspective. Now, equity is the most intimate relationship you can have in terms of capital. Equity means that you no longer can do everything you want to do. You've got to align your vision with those who are investing in you. The outcome that they see might be different than the outcome that you see. It also might be further down the, the road that you can afford to look and may or may not include you, right? Equity requires an exit, a defined exit mm -hmm. in a specific period of time with a specific return on investment. And so oftentimes some of us like to jump and skip steps straight to equity. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I want people to think about is if you have pre-revenue, right? You are a pre-revenue company and you're looking for equity. There are some industries where you do need to raise that type of money. But Tiffany and Mandy, you are the earn your way. Right. Mm -hmm. There's there's earners and there's and there's owners. But these earners who they earn their way. Some people call it bootstrap. I call it reality. Mm -hmm. You know, I've mm -hmm. never raised capital outside of my grand my grandparents and my best friend's parents invested in me in the beginning. After that, I was able to continue to self-invest in my enterprise to be able to build, grow and expand it. Amazing. But ownership was important to me and passing the torch was important to me. And so once again, you got to get clear about your end. What's really important to you? Is equity capital bad? Not at all. Equity capital is amazing, but it's a different type of relationship that you have with others around the vision for your enterprise. So you see them as sorts of like stepping stones, you know, starting smaller and then maybe like you want to maybe start with like self-funding a little bit and then seek out like a friends and family round of fundraising. I remember when we... Yeah. So here's what I'll tell you, because it dilutes you, right? So if you, in the beginning, remember we talked about the idea stage of business, when you're in the beginning stages of trying to figure it out and you raise equity, they're not investing in the idea. Mm -hmm. They're investing in that idea maturing to exit. And so you might say, well, I want to pivot. Mm -hmm. Well, if the business is doing well, they're going to say, why? Unless you can prove the business case all over again. And so it's important for you to have the cadence of your capital with the cadence of your business. It's one of the reasons yeah, why, not sense. that I was ever offered, because you know, a black woman, um, but it's one of the reasons why I was like, I don't want to take any outside financial, I mean, aside from like if family and friends wanted to like invest, uh, but um, a friend of mine just sold his blog 
for, you know, eight figures. And um, I suspect close to maybe like 40 or $50 million. And he was like, I know they're beating down your door, uh, Tiffany. I'm like, no, despite all the success, despite that we, we, you know, we've only had profitable years, some years more certain than others. I mean, now the budgetista is like rocking and rolling. Like I was talking to my CFO the other day. She was like, Tiffany, because I have not focused on budget. I, most of my focus has been the literature Academy for the last six or seven years when I opened it, because it needed just a lot. And so the budget Nista was like kind of on the back burner and it just made because it was a solid uh, business, it made money kind of what I call kind of like accidentally. But now that I'm no longer the CFO, of, CEO of that business, I focused on the budget Nista and we have been slaying our 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 profit margin to the point where she's like, we need to spend more. I'm like, on what? 79%. Like That's we, amazing. We are just, we have doubled. I mean, I told her in the beginning of the year, I said, okay, this is what I want to make uh, by the end of the year. And we're already there plus some. And I was like, all right, some new goals. Um, <laughs> and so I guess my question is, it's like, because now I'm in this place and space where I want to do less. So I really want, and, and I'm not going to lie, when I heard that he had sold his business, I got a little salty because I was just like, well, why not me? Why not me with all that I've built and grown? Why not me? And I said, well, Tiffany, have you intended it to your point, um, Dr. Jolly? And I had not. I don't want to sell Budget Nista because I'm not going to lie. He asked me. He's like, if you want, I can get Budget Nista ready to sell in 16 months. And I was like, no, because it's still something that I really enjoy doing. So instead, I'm building something else um, that would probably take about five years, I'm estimating. But because I just... It, it feels very disheartening that I hear people who are not doing nearly as much as what, you know, black and brown women are doing that don't get those same opportunities. It's just really frustrating. Well, I hear you, Tiffany. And if you would allow me to kind of um, go deeper into that for a second. I mean, again, I said that equity is the most intimate relationship that you can have. But also as black and brown individuals, particularly African-Americans, you know, in my research, what I found is that we're the only people in America who were first capital before we ever made capital. And so we can't help but look at business as personal. And so I hear you and I've read your books and I've also listened to you from the beginning. Budgetista is a heart brand from my perspective. You care about your people. You care about what you offered. It's hard to sell that. And the other thing is that when people don't understand our hearts, you know, black women are so powerful in their own right, but oftentimes we don't toot our own horns because we're too busy doing what needs to be done to be able to move things that we care about forward. Um, and so as a result, it's about relationship. Mm. I'm not saying that there isn't any bias in the marketplace, but I am saying that as it relates to investing in black women owned brands, if you will, okay. it's still uncharted territory. Okay. We're still very much at the emergent stages of building business relationships to be able to do so. And you said it yourself, if you really wanted to do it, mm -hmm. you could, right? But the beautiful thing about it is you have a choice. Wealth is a choice. Mm -hmm. You're able to choose how you build wealth with the assets that you have been able to build and grow and expand. So the other thing about with a Budgetista brand, I mean, if someone bought it, they might have a different vision and all of a sudden you see yourself all over the place, not portraying the true authentic selling Colt 45. <laughs> Yes. I was thinking like a prepaid debit card. I, oh, girl. I, just, I told him no to, to Budget Nista, although he was like, I think you can get this amount of money. I was like, yeah, no. But so I do have like this other, I bought a company a couple of years ago 
And um, I've been sitting on it and I've just been trying to figure out what to do with it. And I thought, you know what, this would actually be really great. So I'm, I'm working on now, like, and to your point, building relationship. I just had a really great chat with a um, a vice president of a huge financial organization that I've known for a number of years, just to ask, what would you need this to be in order for this type of company to be interested? And so I'm starting to have those conversations and realizing, oh, I need those type of relationships to ask because I'm not going to build willy-nilly. If I'm going to build this new company like and sell it, then I need to know who would buy and why and what does that look like? So I'm very clear about what I'm building because I was just like, okay, I do want that. I want to have an exit, not even for the money, but for the, can you do it, Tiffany? Because everything I've set my mind to has happened. And this would be the, the biggest external expression of doing something. Um, and so I'm just really curious as to, can I do it? And if I can, then I can bring that information back to women who look like me, who don't typically have access to that type of information. I love it. And you can do it and you will do it. And I think what's really powerful about what you're saying is that you have the end already in mind. So you're building the vision, not solely unto, to yourself, yeah. right? You're allowing people to weigh in and influence that vision so that it is palatable to the marketplace. I don't, I, I feel like I'm still in that. I'm glad you gave me three years. You said one to three years or in that ID phase. I'm like, I don't know what the end looks like. I'm feeling good, but I'm, I'm, of course, I'm so much earlier in the process that for me, it's harder to come to that end. And maybe I'll come to a place where it's like, well, this is the, and I, and I hadn't heard that term before lifestyle business, you know, mm-hmm. made you money is made you money. It's mm-hmm. like budget needs and no one else can just be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the thing I, I just haven't given myself the time to think beyond this at this point. It's just, I'm so all in with this. And I feel like I just want to focus on this for now, but always still be open to like, this can't last forever, right? Like I can't, it's not sustainable forever. Um, So what will come next? And I think to your point about relationship building is surrounding my, I feel like it's important to surround myself with other people doing similar, like that entrepreneurial spirit and having businesses of their own so I can learn and just always be in the mix with that to see what they're doing and to learn from their insights which has been a big part of what I focus on this year is building those relationships. I think that's awesome. So the first principle in the narrow road is that seeing is believing, right? So really um, imagining, but also seeing other models of businesses that started. And you have got this wonderful one right in front of you uh, of Tiffany, but like seeing, you know, what is possible and then being able to really measure uh, what you want. But also one of the things I love about business ownership you really got to get clear about what you want. Yeah. Because if not, you'll have a lot of people encouraging you to do things that you may not want. And you might own a successful business, but it's not bringing you, because we're talking about wealth. We talk about money a lot. Anybody can get rich, but to build wealth, that's a fulfilled life. So Mandy, start thinking about what you want, the work that you're doing to be able to allow you to do to fulfill your life. And if we can put a definitive timeline around it, you know, the window for wealth building, you know, we have 40 years of increasing levels of income to finance 80 plus years of living. Mm -hmm. So think about what does that look like and then run some projections that make some sense for you. And there may be some areas of your business that you can partner with other people. It can Mm -hmm. do other things and open up avenues for you to be able to move forward. But cast that vision in that 40 year window 
so that at the end of that, you can afford retirement and beyond Mm -hmm. because it's really, really important that you are able to sustain a lifestyle beyond the work phase. I want more Black women now than anything before to get excited about retirement because there are so many opportunities for Black and brown women in particular to really make an impact. But I want you to be able to afford to show up and show out. And we've got a plan today in our window of opportunity to be able to do that. I'm I'm trying to to do that backwards. How many years? Honestly, one of the biggest mistakes that I made as budgetista was going for going sake. So with the budgetista, it had just grown beyond. I just was following the lead of like the business and, and the business was telling me what to do versus me telling the business what to do. And I struggled with that for a really long time. And especially as it became more successful, because I was just like, well, isn't this what I work towards? So what, you know what I mean? It was, I, I really had a hard time with it. Cause I'm like, you know, the external feedback was go keep going, go keep going. But then internally I was like, I kind of am, don't want to go keep going, or maybe I want to go in a different direction. And so yeah. honestly it took for like, you know, quite honestly, my husband passing away last year for me to be like, so sorry, Tiffany. Thank I'm you. So sorry about that. For me to get super clear on, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not, you know. And it made me really clear that I, I had too many people on the team. You know, most of them were really wonderful, but I was just like, you know, you actually don't need to make as much, Tiffany. Like, you know, like I said, now. I mean, at one point, you know, I was spending, like, I don't even know. It was three times our, our operating expenses for Budgetista were three times what they are now. We actually make more and then keep more. So I'm like, and I do way less work. And it took like this like abrupt shift to say, Tiffany, what do you actually want to do? Because it's not this. You're always working and it's great that everybody wants you to be on every podcast and every show and every this and every opportunity and every speaking engagement. But at what cost to you personally? And are you even really growing well? That's the part that's the part that's crazy is that as much as I was making as a business, I wasn't personally growing as much wealth as you would think because I was giving it all away. All, like, exactly. <laughs> I don't even know how I managed to become a millionaire, quite honestly. Like my financial advisor was like, God is looking after you, Tiffany, because you really shouldn't be as much as you were paying people. Everybody was getting six figure. So I wasn't even making six figures. Like, you know, I was paying everybody six figure salaries for the most part. Everybody was getting paid well. Everybody had insurance. Everybody had and so now that's not so, you know, I'm down to like three people on my, well, two people, my three, myself included. I do weigh less. I work, um, you know, I work only really the things I really enjoy or that pay super duper um, well. Um, and so I'm just conscious of not letting kind of like that creep in. And so for those who are listening, you know, it's not, I, I, I tell this to all my mentees all the time that it's, it's not just success for success sake, but how will it meet you? Will you be healthy, happy, and whole? You know, cause you can have all of the things and yet none of the things. And I was there, I wasn't unhappy, but certainly I was overwhelmed, you know, that you can, what is it? Uh, there's a, a quote that says that um, anything in its excess becomes its opposite. You know, yes. like you can actually drink so much water, you drown yourself. Right? A friend of mine almost poisoned herself cause she ate so many carrots. Yes. So like, you know, it's healthy because she was in middle school. So, you know, we're so extra in middle school. Um, I was like, girl, you're orange. Is that normal? She's like, I don't know, but I love carrots. And sure enough, she fell out in class and it turns out that she had like (laughs) damaged her liver because she ate so many carrots. So I just share that to say that like, you know, especially like, you know, Mandy, folks are in your position that are kind of starting out that 
you know, lot, not letting it get ahead of you and beyond you. So that way you're actually one growing wealth, which is the purpose. And two, that it's meeting you healthy, happy, and whole. Also, you know, the, the pathway that you were on, um, you know, the wealth is generational, mm-hmm. right? And I talk about legacy wealth, which is cross-generational. It takes three generations to build legacy wealth, only one generation to lose it. But when four generations connect, the wealth wheel begins to turn. So every generation has an opportunity to advance the collective forward. But the first generation creates a standard and it works extremely hard. Mm-hmm. And Tiffany, what you just described were the components of a first generation business, mm-hmm. right? That second generation builds on that with structures and systems and relationships. And that's what you describe that you have now. You know, that third generation acquires, you've done that too, mm-hmm. acquires additional opportunity um, through oppor- work that they have not done themselves. So they partner with others. Um, and then the fourth generation basically expands it as a model, a whole model where, yes, you work hard. Yes, you have systems. Yes, you partner with other experts in areas that you don't have. But here's the model and it's culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I encourage many of our businesses, spend some time to build the internal culture. The internal culture is why your people will work and you don't have to pay them six figures at the door. Mm -hmm. They can work their way up because they understand what the blueprint requires because you've written the blueprint. And so my prayer is that more of our companies will really work to establish a working culture where people want to live out their career there or or bring their best and then move on to another level, but leave it better than they found it. Because that's where we are right now in elevating our standard of business. So many of our businesses don't employ anyone or mm-hmm. employ so many people that they, they impinge upon their, prop, their uh, profitability. Mm-hmm. The last thing I'll say is that parity is a is a reality that should we get to that in our community would change the game for everyone. You know, data shows that African American and brown owned businesses they they hire their own. Mm-hmm. So our growth really provides opportunities to build wealth for more than just ourselves. And so really thinking about the bigger picture and moving forward in a way that fulfills your life with a wealth outcome that you believe is critical. And those two things are as important as the other pieces in terms of the money and the financials. I'm a Wharton grad. I love the financials, but here's the thing. I want you to live and enjoy your life, but I also want you to understand why you're doing it so that the next generation that's following you wants to pick up where you left off because you finished off a a platform that makes sense. So basically, Tiffany's done like four generations of work. So I feel like it. I've been working on the trust now. That's like the last little piece. Like I call my thing financial wholeness, which is like these 10 components of your financial life. And the 10th component is estate planning. And of course, it just has to look different when you have a business. And so um, one of the things I, you know, I had to really get clear on is what happens to my businesses when I'm no longer here. And what if like, you know, like my sisters are no longer here? What about their children? So really creating to your point, Dr. Jolly, like um, a model that the wealth can be extended, even if it's not specifically through businesses, maybe it's like, okay, then here's how the funds are continue to be invested. So that way beyond you, you know, um, that, you know, that the wealth continues there. Um, I I saw this little old lady on, um, I was watching some YouTube documentary about this woman from Appalachia. And I just remember being so impressed with her because her family had 200 acres in Appalachia 
And, you know, on the surface, you would think like, okay, she, you know, she like stopped going to school in fourth grade. You know, she herself said that she wasn't very educated, but she had sent all her kids to, for good schooling, as she said. And she's like, you know, one of my sons is a lawyer. One of my daughters is a teacher. You know, they don't want to live here in the backwoods of Appalachia, but I sent them off. And one thing I did was, she said, is I put my 200 acres into a trust because won't be no weak links here. And I thought that was genius. She said, because this land does not belong to any individual person. It belongs to our family line. And so she put it in a trust that like, so they all get to benefit financially, but not just you, your kids, 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 kids. And if Walmart comes knocking and says, we'd love to buy, you know, a hundred acres, the trust says no, because it's not up to that person because she's no longer here. And I just thought, wow, that how smart and, and genius this was as she was looking after great, 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 great grandbabies that she would no, never meet, but she would have a positive effect on. And that's what's so beautiful. She's incorporated the family business. Yes. So it's no longer a lifestyle business. It's a legacy business. And so that's really where the opportunity is. And she sounds like of the generation, the wealthiest generation mm-hmm. in our community is our grandparents' generation. Mm-hmm. You know, they have the ability to be able to afford to look beyond themselves mm-hmm. and want better. And so my prayer is that when we get to that age, we can do the same, but we've set it up a lot earlier and it's compounding and growing uh, at a faster rate because what they're doing is setting that strong foundation so that your nephew, who's a genius, <laughs> has a balance sheet with some equity on it <laughs> when he shows up at the equity table. And so oftentimes, you know, we show up with an idea, but I want us to show up with an idea and some equity mm-hmm. and ask somebody to match that. And so that's really where um, the the generational transfer of wealth, not just financial wealth, but intellectual, social, capital, and spiritual really matters. Well, Dr. Pamela Jolly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much yes. for joining Brown Ambition. Please tell <laughs> BA fam where they can find out more about you and get a copy of that book that's coming out September 12th. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so September twelfth in a book in a, in a black bookstore near you, uh, as mm-hmm. well as Amazon and Wordy dot com, um, and also uh, I'm at Dr. Pamela Jolly on Instagram, and then TorchEnterprises dot com is the website where you can pre order. I really, really appreciate this opportunity to be on this amazing podcast, Tiffany and Mandy. I've listened to other episodes. I love what you're doing in terms of raising awareness and encouraging people to think about the things that we need to think about so that wealth can become a standard in our community. So thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Jolly. Excellent. Thank you. And now it's time for Booster Break. Oh, Booster Break. I don't know why I can't do Booster Break without doing this like little shoulder bop. Okay. (laughs) I mean, if the spirit moves you, move Are we going to boost? I feel so bad because... I had this like mini boost and I cannot remember the ladies' names, but I met you in Chicago this past week. I think it was like Lynn. Oh, girl. I don't know. You gave me a hug for Mandy. Oh, you were in um, Chi-Town? Yeah. I was there to speak, speaking at, a, um, at an event for a financial brand and my sister lives in Chicago, so we all flew out there except for Tracy because um, she had COVID, um, <laughs> but she's fine now. Oh, I know. coming for all of us right now, for real. <laughs> but I just want to say hi to those ladies and the gentlemen that stopped me in the streets. I was like, he was like, wait a minute, not the budget stuff, <laughs> not Brown Ambition. I was like, indeed I am. So Chi-Town recognizes the B, the B of the A. <laughs> um, are you going to boost or break this? Um, this Because I do have one little other boost, um, but are you going to boost or break this? Well, I think we should day? do a call. 
Okay, we should do a collective boost and I'll do my own. But collectively, we got to boost and promote that we are going to be on YouTube Live on July 28th. What are we calling this? Like, it's like D-Day, but not. It's like our day. day. Recession day. Yes. Will we or won't we be in a recession? The report is coming out July 28th. And Tiffany and I, for the first time ever, we're going to be hopping on YouTube Live that afternoon to help you guys unpack whatever our fates are together. Yeah. Bring your tissues, I guess, or bring your champagne. <laughs> yes. Either way, we'll your be wine, there for any reactions. Your notebook for sure, because certainly no matter what happens, you know we're going to have some some suggestions for you about what to do next. Um, so we're excited about it. Recession Day. Again, it is July 28th. Um, you know, make sure that you are subscribed to our newsletter and that you're following us on social. Um, if you go to brownambitionpodcast.com, you can do all of that. So that's how you're going to find out exactly what time and how to join us. Woo, 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 woo. I'm excited about that. I'm excited. Thanks for giving. I feel like excited to have something to look forward to besides just like getting the dark news in the wee hours in the morning and we having no one to cry with but myself. We're in it together. We'll We're see gonna, what's we going. Are family. And shout out to the people who are still tagging me in the gem and the holograms post. I just love y'all. I'm not out here alone. <laughs> Why? I'm not out here alone. So I, the boost I wanted to do is I had such a good chat with my bonus daughter, Alyssa. Um, she is at like this, uh, I, I signed her up for this like kind of like medical pre-med like summer camp thing because she's like interested in Ooh. maybe doing um, physical therapy. You know, she's a sophomore. She's going to be a junior next year. And so she signed up for it. She's there now. She's semi excited about it because she was like, so Tiffy. I have to like share a dorm room with someone. I'm like, yeah, that's what college is like. Cause it's like pre-college. And she's like, they told us we have yeah. to bring flip-flops to the shower. It makes me believe they're not clean. Yeah. I was like, it's girl. Disgusting. They won't be clean. Girls are <laughs> yes. gross. Yes. I was rolling. Go have fun. And she was like, <laughs> but I was under the understanding. This girl is too bougie. That daddy had said that I was going to get a condo when I went to school. I was like, well. If you get a full scholarship, because we funded her college fund, if you get a full scholarship to school, which you certainly can, because you know you've always been on the honor roll, straight A's and B's, you know you, she she runs, she does track and is has you know is active at school. I told her if you get a full scholarship, then yes, the money that we've set aside for school can be used to purchase a condo off campus, and the condo will be yours after graduation. But in the meantime, you can have friends, you know, up to three girls or whatever pay rent to you so you don't have to work during your school, your college career. Like I actually got that tea from um from uh Lynette Calpani Cox. She has done this for her children. I was just about to say Lynette. Yeah, Talk she's about amazing. raising several children through college I and mean, getting properties along so, the way. Yeah. Right? So the, so that's great. So you know you buy the condo cash, you know, um she go finishes school after you graduate, that's your big graduation gift. Now you can decide to sell it. You can continue renting it out. You can live there by yourself, whatever. And so she was like, oh, I said, so you have to do your job, which is to get a full scholarship. And I will do my job, which is to pay for this condo. Now, if you don't get a full scholarship, then that money goes to school, which is you know, not a bad thing. So I could tell she was like, okay. And something she said to me, because she, she gets a stipend for the summer program. And she's like, I want to be able to save at the end of the day, $300. Um, by the end of the summer. And I said, that's great. And then she said something offhanded, like, yeah, because if I want to buy something, I want to be able to have it. And I said, well, how much of the 300 are you just saving to later invest? And she was like, huh? So then I told her the story of the goose that laid the golden egg. 
how like there are there's money that you that money that you spend and money that you save for like purchasing something later and then there's money that you're literally just saving to grow and she was like okay so i told her the story how there was this goose every morning it laid this little golden egg and the family was able to use that golden egg to buy the things they needed they got a little greedy there was a story that went along with that analogy Yes. And, well, you never heard the story, the goose that laid the golden egg? I don't think I did. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's like one of these Aesop's fable type of stories. And so, okay. so the goose laid this golden egg I'm every riveted. single morning. The family was like, woo, woo, it's enough to support us. But one day they got greedy and said, I wonder how much gold is actually inside this goose. We, I'd rather have my money up front. They cut the goose open only to find that it was just a regular goose on the inside. So now no goose, no golden egg every month. And I told her, you have to also have goose money money that you're setting aside that it can generate golden eggs for you moving forward. And that's what investing does. That if you spend the full 300, you're back back to zero. But of the 300, if you say you set aside $150 um, and we put it into an account for you and you we save, save, save until maybe you get to 500 or a thousand. And then we put it into your, I have a custodial investment account for her then that is your goose money. And that one day, once you graduated college, you'll be able to withdraw golden eggs and never touch the goose. And she was like, mm. this is so enlightening. <laughs> so it was such a good financial conversation with this almost 16-year-old that she wouldn't have had before. So I told her the next time we chat, I want you to decide of the 300, how much is going to be your goose money. I told her between 50 and $150, she can decide because you want to give, you know, like children it's also not like a child child, but you want to give them choices. I said, you get to decide. And then once you have that, once you make that decision, we'll sit down with Anjali and we'll talk about like how, how much money do you have to, does she suggest you save up to before we actually set aside to invest on your behalf? So I just thought it was such a good conversation. And I was like, look at me teaching the next generation about investing yeah. through goose and golden egg stories. <laughs> that was not me. If only I had invested all those earnings from the gap outlet. Yes. And not bought so many fit and flare jeans. <laughs> but girl, we was rocking in the fit flare jeans. Those the express jeans, girl. I lived in express. It was like if you had a booty, gap was hard. But if you had a booty, express yes. was like, okay, we got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And shout out to Supergirl because I feel like yeah, I've, I've, I love that y'all have, you've like shared your relationship with her. And I don't think that's the kind of conversation y'all could have had if you hadn't like slowly been building this yes. trust in this relationship for yes. a long time now. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I'm going to do a little baby boost of my own really quick. So y'all know I love Jennifer Lewis, Jennifer yes. with one N Lewis. She's the grandmom on Blackish. She's the, the mother of Black Hollywood is her by her um her memoir so if you guys haven't read it go read it but she just got her she just got her flowers her walk of fame um star on the hollywood walk Yay. of fame and i was i like i never tune in to watch those things but i just feel like i love jennifer lewis so much so i tuned in to watch her little ceremony and of course she was like telling the crowd y'all better go out there and vote because they're trying to take your rights right now you know she's always teaching always preaching and i just love her and her very and Jennifer have not, and said, I, don't F it up. Go vote. I was rolling. <laughs> you saw it? <laughs> yes, I love it. So Jennifer Lewis, and if y'all haven't, first of all, I, I, get the audiobook. Like the audiobook from Jennifer Lewis of her memoir is just, oh, she'll have you laughing, rolling. She's singing and performing and the whole thing. She's iconic. So congrats to her and congratulations on a well-deserved Hollywood Walk of Fame yeah. star. I, I, I listened to it because you, Mandy, you told me about that book. It was such a good, Mandy always gives really good book suggestions. 
And so I listened to Girl, it. you're the one with all the books. I think I've read like a fraction of the books that you have read. But <laughs> but you give me yeah. good suggestions. I add everything. Whenever someone gives me a suggestion, I add it to a watch list on my Audible. And then like, you know, I'll do some more research to see if I think I'm going to enjoy it. And then, you know, I'll, I'll listen to it later. But that was a really good suggestion because I enjoyed that book tremendously. It's so good. All right, BA fam. Well, okay, don't forget, tune in next Thursday, the 28th. This is the day after we usually air the show. So come to YouTube live. We'll be on Thursday afternoon. Like Tiffany said, check brownambition.com for details. Go, don't walk, run. We'll see y'all then. Hey, BA fam, we could not do this show without your support or the support of our team behind the scenes. The Brown Ambition Podcast is produced by Cumulus Podcast Network. It's edited by the wonderful Imani Crosby and produced by Tanya Bustos. Dennis Stemplinski is our in-house tech guru. And I am Mandy Woodruff-Santos, your co-host. And I will see y'all next week. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.